0: here he is Brandon
1: Welcome back to the show as we end the first week of the Brandon Peters show I'll reiterate what I stated in the introduction episode but I see the show as a week-long event with a main piece starting the week and then different segments to add to the attraction. And as many late night talk shows do, they close it out with a song. So that's what we'll do. We'll close it out with a song here every week. To help bring the curtains down on the first show, I'd like to welcome back Scott Middleton from Forbes.
2: Hi, I, Hi, like so I was here minutes ago. <laughs> yes,
1: possibly. I'm glad you, you made time to come back on a Friday. This little weird thing, I'll explain what it is right here. I've just At the end of the week, let's relax, let's kick back, and we're going to throw it back to the 80s or 90s for music video and for you kids. Music videos were held to a lot more importance back in the 80s and 90s than they were today in the era of MTV. It was an extended piece of marketing to sell an album, but we also have gotten like a lot of our filmmakers, like David Fincher, Michael Bay, to name a couple, coming from directing music videos and a lot of them pieces of art some were pieces of crap but we're here to talk about just like a video weird strange and for this first episode we've picked the video for opposites track by paula abdul from 1989 and it was the sixth single off of her debut album forever your girl sixth single that's like half the album went on the radio i guess
2: those were the days.
1: Did you remember this video? I mean, this is a pretty popular one.
2: No, oh, she was huge for if for no other reason than she was an exceptional dancer, which trivia. I did jazz dancing for several years before between in elementary school and middle school. And she was hit to that demographic because A, she was was fun to watch her dance. Mm-hmm. And B, you know, when you're choosing a song for a dance recital, it was you know, it was every bit as useful as you know Michael Jackson in that era. In she, fact, you know, I would argue offhand, of that time, people that were known as much for dancing as for singing—you know, Michael Jackson, Paul Abdul, and maybe MC Hammer—in a very specific way.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And they, I think she was a, she was a former Laker girl. Or
1: yeah, I think she was one of the, She was one of the many Laker girls that became <laughs> celebrities.
2: Now, I'm pretty sure she was a choreographer as well, mm-hmm. but I mean she. She was the shit
1: back then. Yeah, she was an it girl. Like, oh my God, loved her songs, Like to watch her dance, and she was easy on the eyes. Like, it was, yeah, she, she was, did. she had it. If she would have been in movies, she would have been full quadrant. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that never happened. Or did they never tried. Did they ever try? Did she show up as a small role in anything? I can't. God, I, can't. I should have looked that up before this podcast. This was a number one hit. It features her singing with Bruce DeShazer and Marv Gunn called The Wild Pair, which. If you don't remember them, I don't remember them either. They decided not to put them in the video. They got replaced by a animated cat. That's insulting. The rap lyrics in this was written by actor Roman e. Malco. I didn't know that. So that was an interesting tidbit. And when it comes to the creativity and the animated part of it, Candice Reckinger, the director, was the animation department on AHA's Take on Me yeah. like a couple of years before. This video also won a Grammy for Best Short. Visual, it was some some award thing they probably made up once MTV started getting off the ground, and the Disney animation team was responsible for the cat they did between some movies. Somebody who animated that cat might have touched Ariel. We don't know, but yeah. So this one is known because of her with dancing with a cat on rooftops and playing around, and just kind of a visual splendor. But I mean, this this came about because someone saw Roger Rabbit. Mm-hmm. And it was like, we're doing that because this is like the year after Roger Rabbit, because that was a big, big mixture of person and animation, sharing this, sharing the frame in a seamless, well done fashion.
2: Yeah. And she's got a resume a mile long as a choreographer before she even put this album out. <laughs> and she was doing quite a bit of you know choreography for your favorite J- Janet Jackson videos of, of that era. There's another one that was just considered an incredible dancer of the era. Also, someone who famously, you know, when she did concerts, she did not lip sync. Janet Jackson sang and danced live. And I don't blame anyone that lip syncs during a concert. I mean, it's... it's... Well,
1: with all the costume changes and dancing involved in those...
2: But, you know, that was something that Janet Jackson was known for. As long as your lip
1: sync was a different cut of the song and not just playing the (laughs) album at the show. Yes. Fair enough
2: it won a grammy award for best Short music video It actually didn't win any mtv music awards it was nominated for a bunch but it was not uh, victorious and yeah you know it's 30 35 years you know, later it's the one where she dances with a cat
1: which i believe has been par- parodied a few times on, on yes. places and i think did they were there commercials that tried to use this or put it together i can't remember like a coke commercial
2: i want to say yes
1: it probably one of the more memorable videos of all time. If you were, if you
2: lived in the era, I, if you were I alive mean, back then, yeah, and it, she was only the fourth artist ever to have four number one hits from a single album, yeah, after Whitney Houston, George Michael, and uh, Michael Jackson, oh. Janet Jackson, Katy Perry, and Myra Carey would do that later. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody.
1: I feel like this song is like a pioneer, I can't think of before it. But we see this type of song all the time now, where you have the the pop singer girl, and you add in a rap guy to come in and do a verse. But normally, it'd be probably someone more well known now, and wouldn't be replaced by an animated cat. Uh,
2: dog and do a verse of California Girls. I
1: feel like that this kind of this kind of standard would take off a little bit in the '90s, and then just become everything in the '00s to now. Even um, yeah. we see a lot. Just that was a combo that. I don't know if it was done a lot back then, but this was one of the more prominent success stories.
2: And frankly, one of the reasons why it's as good as it is is she choreographed the dance moves of the cartoon, so it would yeah. match her stuff.
1: That's right. Yeah, she did with the the cat. And there's the the cool moment where she hates cigarettes, but he likes to smoke, and the actual smoke comes out of the cat rather yes. than animated smoke. So that was a neat little neat little play there. And they they take two steps forward, and they take two steps back, literally, in the
2: dance. <laughs> See, I would consider that sloppy choreography, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, a little on the nose, Paula. Yeah, it's like, you know, the sun comes up, and you make a sun, you drink your tea.
1: I, I'll give her, uh, it's like the trailer you always talk about, <laughs> like, oh, when times are hard, oh, I'm so poor. And <laughs> Yeah. I, that could be a moment where maybe the director or some producer of the video is like, you know, the part where you do two steps forward, could you, could you do that? And she doesn't want to do it, but
2: you know what? No, I mean, in context, it's fine. It just amused me when you said that. Yeah. Cause it's, it's what little experience I have in musical theater back in high school. That was, they literally called that slop. I think it was like a slop cop. Um, and it would be, it would be something like where somebody says they drink their tea and they literally you know, pretend to drink tea. You basically just, you, you'd mime, the action in the lyrics as opposed to actually doing anything particularly unique. Yeah. This was the fourth number one single on the album.
1: Mm-hmm. Straight up was like the big one.
2: Yeah. That was, well, they, they both oh. were number one for three weeks, but yeah, straight up was I, I mean, the ones everybody remembers are straight up forever. Your girl, this obviously. And what's the Keanu Reeves drives off a cliff one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Rush, yes, Rush, Rush, Rush. Want to have you there with me? Uh, I think Cold Hearted Snake was on this album too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was a banger. I mean, it was a you,
1: huge album. Yeah, when you
2: talk about classic eighties, I would argue this is up there with you know Thriller and Joshua Tree and Like a Prayer.
1: And All she of was, that, you know
2: mainstream pop, yada yada yada.
1: Well, the thing with Paula Abdul, she was kind of her her own. She didn't get thrown in with Madonna's, Cyndi Lauper, Tiffany. She and she could have been, but. She had a little more, I, I don't know it. Maybe she had more of the hip hop side to her and the dance focus than maybe they're just like girl pop type thing. But she could have easily been thrown in with them, but she's not. Maybe she's a little older to start. I don't know. I'm trying to, I'm asking questions aloud in my head, trying well, to figure was,
2: out. You know, she, you know, this album comes out, you know, 1991, and she does her thing throughout the entirety of the 90s. And then by 2000, she's hosting American
1: Idol. Yeah. But she had been, she had kind of disappeared from the forefront. She was doing
2: a little bit, yeah. She was doing like
1: commercials, I think, at the time. Like her and like, there was like the, the Bengals, Susanna Hoff. She kind of was big and disappeared during the, a lot of people didn't survive the 80s. Steve <laughs> Gutenberg. But she was on top of the world, like big time. And then somewhere mid 90s, just kind of regulared out. But I mean, they were ushering in around that time. You were starting to get the, you know, there was a huge grunge focus. And then your Britney Spears Backstreet Boys, Christina Aguilera, in sync was about to launch. So no one, who, who'd want old Paula anymore, right?
2: You had the Napster generation, basically. Right. Yeah. And that's when she, you know, for better or worse, latched onto American Idol. And mm-hmm. she's been doing that ever since. But she's done other competitions
1: her presence on that show gave it a real big air of credibility
2: because the other two. person on the show and nobody had heard of Simon Cowell.
1: Yeah. Randy Jackson, who we later find was a basis for journey on the last years of Steve Perry.
0: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Like, okay.
1: And and Simon Cowell became Simon Cowell
2: because of that show. Not yes. He was the villain to, you know, she was the good cop. He was the bad cop. Mm -hmm. And Jackson was sort of a, eh, whatever. (laughs) Uh, then occasionally you'd have Harry Connick Jr. show up and give them all tough love. I always enjoyed that. There you go. Yeah, but he's like, I'm not going to insult you, but you need to have some life experience here.
1: Yeah, I don't. I remember this video. I don't remember if it was. It was probably heavy rotation back in the day where they'd be the one that you're like, I like this. This is really cool. Oh, I get to see it again real soon. And would they stop playing it on top of the hour, please? But I think. <laughs> I think I saw this one on VH1 a lot more than I did MTV, possibly, but. Yes. I, my memory might be cheating me.
2: Yeah, it was one of those ones along with like Sledgehammer and mm-hmm. Thriller. Well, any Michael Jackson ones. Pour Some Sugar on Me. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, those. You know, if you watched MTV for the music videos, with a novel concept. This would be <laughs> one of the ones you see a lot.
1: Yeah. Uh, on an album you probably already owned because it's the sixth single, but maybe this was the one that got you to finally to get Paula back in the top 10 after <laughs> probably a whole year <laughs> sitting atop of it
2: sold seven million copies 7 million. the album dang uh, which we just saw you know damn good even back then oh yeah they, they
1: people would kill for that now
2: yeah well yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, unless you're taylor swift a million's a miracle right yeah hey. So I hope you enjoyed
1: this little uh, chat about a classic music video. Uh, We'll be back uh, again, of course, next week on Monday with a brand new episode of The Main Show. And if you like this music video thing, there'll be another one on Friday to close out the week. So everyone have a good weekend, and we'll be back on Monday.
0: Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at TheBrandonPetersShow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at TheBrandonPetersShow.com. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.